Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, 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 folks, back to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Alex, from ESPN Blacksburg, Z101.3 in the New River Valley, alongside me all the way from the 757, Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing a lot better now that Michael McDaniel's not here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was, uh, it's disappointing to not have him here for the pod, but uh, no, it's a, uh, it's a great Tuesday. Yeah, no, it is unfortunate Mike has work-related stuff to do, and we'd love to have him here. But unfortunately, you know, these things get in the way, and with the game on Friday, with Thanksgiving coming up, we decided it was just time to get a pod out because, quite frankly, we have a lot to talk about. Virginia Tech, a 28 nothing victory over Pitt. Compile that with a 45-0 victory over Georgia Tech and a scoreless fourth quarter against Wake Forest. They have not allowed a point in nine quarters of football. Haven't allowed a point since like eight minutes left in the third quarter against Wake Forest, if you really want to be specific about it. And this team that looked just dead in the water in late September, yes, they are playing for the chance to go to the ACC championship game in Charlotte. And they will play that game this Friday against UVA, the winner, the Coastal Division champion. Ricky, let's just start with you. What has changed with this defense that has allowed them to be so dominant? I mean, because it's night and day since from what we saw in the beginning of the season. It really is. I think there's a couple things. Number one, the defensive line has really started to generate consistent pressure up front uh specifically on the edge i think uh taiwan garbett is really starting to make an impact um i know his numbers really aren't all quite there but it feels like he's in the backfield almost every other play and then even the backup guys guys like javon beckton eli adams those guys are in there and they're able to get the the starters uh, get them to spell and get them out of the game at least for a few snaps and keep them fresh but the interior of the defensive line has gotten a lot better, too. If you look at guys like uh, Jared Hewitt, who made a hell of a play in the Pittsburgh game, getting blocked, jumping up on a fourth down play to bat the ball away. Uh, he's been really, really good down the stretch here. Deshaun Crawford has also been very excellent. Narell Pollard made a play, scooping that fumble for return for a touchdown. Um, the, the defensive line has really come into the own a bit, and this this unit which we came into the season thinking was really one of the the worst units of the team 
all of a sudden really isn't all that bad. And at times they're actually very, very good. So we're starting to see some flashes out of them, but ultimately the secondary has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Caleb Farley has reinvented himself into one of the best corners in the ACC. And depending on how you look at it, he may be one of the better corners in the country. And then opposite him, you've got consistent production out of guys like Jermaine Waller, Armani Chapman. Um, those two guys specifically have really done a good job forcing offenses to kind of have to pick their poison a bit. Uh, you either have to go after Caleb Farley, uh, sometimes in a one-on-one matchup, or you've got to test Jermaine Waller and Armani Chapman, who may not be as good, but those guys are usually starting to get help. Um, Divine Diablo has been excellent, I think, in, in, in the free safety position this season. And Reggie Floyd has been really, really good around the box. He's starting to make some plays closer to the line of scrimmage. When you put all this together and you combine it with consistent production from Rayshard Ashby and an improving Dax Hollyfield, it seems, uh, Virginia Tech's defense all of a sudden is really, really good relative to the rest of the ACC. And I, I don't have any doubt that they're the best defense going into this game against Virginia. Yeah, Ricky, and... You looked at going into this game, weather was going to be a factor. You and me got to enjoy some tailgating in the parking lot in the freezing cold and pouring rain. And I asked you at the time, do you think that the rain will benefit or the weather in general will benefit Tech or will it benefit Pitt? And you said at the time, Pitt, how was Justin Fuente able to use the weather to his advantage in this game? Because quite frankly, Justin Fuente and Bud Foster for that matter, because quite frankly, I did not see a 28 nothing score coming. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw Virginia Tech going in there and beating Pittsburgh by four touchdowns. I think ultimately the Virginia Tech did a fantastic job of shutting down the Pittsburgh running game. Uh, Pittsburgh at no point tried to establish a consistent ground attack. They only averaged 2.2 yards per attempt. They only ran the ball 27 times in the driving, freezing rain. I mean, that's that's just not very good offensive football, if you ask me. But part of that was because... Virginia Tech was stacking the box and they were leaving their guys in one-on-one matchups down the field. Uh, even though they weren't doing it all the time, they were doing it quite frequently. And Pittsburgh didn't win any of those matchups. And part of that's because Kenny Pickett just isn't all that good. We've seen Kenny have some flashes of, of above average to good play. But in this game, he was absolutely terrible. He missed several key throws. Uh, and he missed them by quite a margin. And when you have a quarterback who isn't able to complete those kinds of throws, it's a lot easier for Bud Foster and Justin Fuente to really start to dial things up and come after him and force him to make even quicker throws and force him to completely abandon the running game, which is what exactly happened. Yeah, and Ricky, you, you talk about Kenny Pickett. Pickett on the day was 10 for 26, 130 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. One could blame the rain, but at the same time, Hendon Hooker, 10 for 13 for 153 yards, two touchdowns now. 71 of those yards come on the big play to Robinson, but how was Hendon Hooker able to play the role of a game manager almost, kind of an Alex Smith-esque quarterback performance when that was really all the Hokies needed after going up 7 nothing, then combine that with the Norrell Pollard scoop and score at 14 nothing, it looked like the Hokies were in the driver's seat and... Hooker orchestrated the game that they needed to run that clock down and win. How did he do it? Well, with Hendon Hooker, his ability to take care of the football has been kind of the saving grace for Virginia Tech so far during this revival that we've seen over the last several weeks. 
And in a game like we saw on Saturday, which, again, you and I were both in attendance, even though you, sir, were in a comfy climate-controlled booth in the south end zone. Pretty dope, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Those were, those were pretty nice seats. But uh, in a game like that where it's absolutely freezing, um, it's very easy for players to not want to be there. Virginia Tech basically ground Pittsburgh into submission, and they did so by controlling the clock. They won the time possession battle by over 11 minutes. Um, they didn't turn the ball over. They ran the ball a ton. It really just dirtied this game up, and that's exactly what you're looking for in a situation like this. And you can't do that unless you have a quarterback who is intelligent and can take care of the football and doesn't take too many unnecessary chances. And you have an offensive coordinator who has really shown the ability over the last several weeks to get Hendon Hooker comfortable even in an uncomfortable situation. And Brad Cornelson deserves a lot of credit for that, especially since we've really ripped him so much this season for his inability at times to get his quarterbacks comfortable. So Hendon Hooker has done an excellent job all season. I saw uh, a tweet from David Hale with ESPN that he has the sixth best passer rating over the last several weeks, um, which is absolutely incredible. I didn't think it would have been that high, but uh, he's been really, really good, and Virginia Tech really, really is benefiting from his production, not just through the air but on the ground. Uh, and his ability to take care of the football is the prime reason why this offense has gone from almost putrid to at least average, and for the most most of the part, they're above average. Yeah, and you talk about that time of possession, and you look at the games that they have won recently. I think everyone expected them to beat Georgia Tech. But against Wake and against Pitt, like you said, they win the time of possession by over 11 minutes against Pittsburgh. They win the time of possession by 13 minutes against Wake Forest. And I think that's the mantra of the Justin Fuente, Brad Cornelson style offense, that you run the ball to win. I mean, you, you simply control the clock. And with Hendon Hooker, what you got that Ryan Willis didn't give you is A, someone who is able to not turn the ball over and be someone who on his feet, not saying that Ryan Willis couldn't run the ball because he showed at times that he could run the ball, but Hendon Hooker knows how to operate those RPOs and those zone reads in a way that opens up the rest of the offense. Now that you compile that with the weapons on the outside, that being Hazleton and Turner, and now the revival of the season for the tight ends, James Mitchell and Dalton Keene, and this Virginia Tech offense that looked I mean, gosh, so hard to watch in the beginning of the season. Now looks more like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and I like how you mentioned the tight ends. Dalton Keene and James Mitchell have really transformed this offense. I don't know why it took so long for Brad Cornelson to learn how to get these tight ends involved, but they're making gigantic impacts in the game. They're laying out massive blocks on the perimeter. They're running the ball. They're finding holes in, in the defensive zone, downfield. They're doing an excellent job. And Hendon Hooker has really shown a comfortability level with these guys that Ryan Willis never really was able to develop. Uh, and it's just one of the other reasons why Hendon Hooker has been so beneficial to Virginia Tech's offense this season. But you're right, Andrew. They've really started to develop a well-rounded offense that can run the football using – Hendon Hooker is a viable option with his legs. And they've started to complete short and deep throws downfield, not just on the perimeter to guys like Trey Turner and Damon Hazleton. Those guys are making plenty of plays for sure.
but they're also starting to take or to carve out the middle of the field with these tight ends. They're carving out the flats with these tight ends. They're getting Tavion Robinson involved out of the slot. It's really all starting to come together, and it couldn't start to come together at a perfect time, right, or at a more perfect time. Uh, this is about as good as it gets. In terms of the Virginia Tech offense, 263 yards of total offense. And, you know, we have to bear in mind that they weren't going to throw the ball a whole lot after taking that early lead. But 263 yards of total offense, not an overwhelming number. Hendon Hooker, 10 for 13, accurate, but only 153 yards in the air. My question for you, Ricky, will that be enough? to beat this UVA team, will they be able to manufacture another defensive battle, or are the Hokies going to have to turn it up a little bit on the offensive side of the ball? No, Virginia Tech will have to play a bit better on the offensive side of the ball, but I think we can both agree that the weather played a large factor in kind of limiting Virginia Tech's offensive production. Uh, If the weather is is any better in Charlottesville, which the last time I checked, it's still going to be cold, but I think the – the rain is going to be out of the out of the issue, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But if the weather's any better, Virginia Tech's offense, I think, is going to go right back to what they were doing versus Georgia Tech and what they've done for the last couple of weeks of the season, uh, which is produce points and and move down the field. And as long as they take care of the football, I think they're going to have a chance to drop at least 30 points against Virginia. Virginia's defense has been pretty good for the most part this season, but. As we all know, Bryce Hall is out for the remainder of the year, and not having him really gives you a lot of options if you're Brad Cornelson to really attack this Virginia secondary and start to find holes. And Lord knows Virginia Tech's got the weapons both on the perimeter and up the middle. On the defensive side of the ball, we're talking about Perkins. And Perkins, going into the year, you know, the UVA fans wanted to say he was a dark horse Heisman candidate. His performance, while good, hasn't really merited that. If you could pick today between Hendon Hooker and Bryce Perkins, who would you take? I'd rather have Hendon Hooker. I think, number one, Hendon has taken a lot less of a beating this season. Bryce Perkins has been absolutely abused back there behind Virginia's offensive line, which has really struggled, especially for the latter half of the season. Uh, But Bryce Perkins has also shown a penchant to turn the ball over. He's already thrown eight interceptions this year. He's averaging fewer yards per attempt, far fewer yards per attempt than Hendon Hooker. Um, the, the, the ground production, I think Perkins is probably a better runner of the football, but ultimately Hooker has given them plenty of production on the ground. I think if you put everything together, Hooker is the guy. Uh, he's the best quarterback coming into this game, given what we've seen over the last season. Now Perkins has more experience. Uh, he's done this for a bit longer, obviously, and, He was pretty good last year, and he was pretty electric to start the season, but he's taken a beating this so far this year. His production has started to dip a bit. Um, I think Hendon Hooker is on a roll, and I think he's the better option right now. Now, dropping back to a conversation we had just a few weeks ago, would you say at this point that it's guaranteed that if Virginia Tech beats UVA and wins the ACC Coastal, Justin Fuente will be the ACC's Coach of the Year? That's a great question. Um, I, I think you always have to consider Dabo for, for what he's done. He's replaced a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball this year, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but Justin Fuente would certainly have to be in the discussion. I don't think there would be another 
coach in the ACC outside of Davo that would have a better case than Justin. Justin would probably get a lot of credit for the turnaround that he's made. Uh, but given how bad the team was earlier in the season, I think it's kind of hard to overlook that. So I think personally I would still lean to Dabo just because the the consistency each game out, how even though they're, they're sometimes they haven't played up to their potential this season, they just turn it on and, and they end up blowing everybody out anyway. It doesn't matter. And keeping a team going like that and keeping them keeping them driven and keeping them motivated week in and week out to continue to blow out these teams that they clearly know that they're better than. I think Davo deserves a lot of credit for that. And it's kind of that the the problem, the catch 22 you face when you're a coach of an elite team that oftentimes you're not perceived to be as doing a good of a job because you have so much talent to work with, but getting those guys to work together, still replacing all the talent that they missed from last season I think Dabo really deserves a lot of credit for that. But Justin Fuente certainly deserves a lot of credit for what he's done this season. And he has silenced almost all of his critics up to this point. Uh, he has really alleviated any concerns that I had about Justin uh, in, in, his, in this current staff. He's done a fantastic job over the last several weeks, and he should be praised for it up and down. Now think about this, though. If the very unfortunate situation of UVA beating Tech on Friday becomes a reality. Would Mendenhall be in that ACC Coach of the Year conversation? I, I feel like he kind of would have to, right? Uh, I don't, I mean, some people might consider him to be in the conversation, but I wouldn't put him in the conversation. Uh, he, the, the, the team really kind of nosedived in the middle of the year for a bit, um, where they had two losses in three games, and they haven't really beaten anybody worth a damn this year. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess he would probably get some consideration, but I think Justin, if Virginia Tech wins, Justin Fuente would have a much better case to be the ACC coach of the year than Bronco Mendenhall would if Virginia wins this game. I think Davo Sweeney is the guy either way, in my opinion, but Justin Fuente, I think, has a far better case given the adversity that Virginia Tech's had this season. And given the, the the turnaround that they've had, which has really been historic. Looking towards Bryce Perkins now in this game, what defensive unit is going to be the most important in shutting down Perkins? Who is going to have to play their best game in order to shut this kid down? Because like we said, this, this offense is, you know, almost a one-man show. It really is. Virginia Tech's defensive line is going to have to be tenacious for the entire game. They're going to be running around. They're going to think they've got him dead to rights, and they're not. Bryce Perkins is excellent at escaping the pocket. He's excellent at getting out on the perimeter and making throws and just running for first downs. And Virginia Tech is going to have to be on their A game up front and at linebacker. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have Rayshard Ashby, Dax Hollyfield, and possibly even Reggie Floyd kind of following Bryce around and, and trying to keep him contained. These guys are going to have to be on the A game. They're going to have to be sure tacklers and they're going to have to give the extra effort. They're going to have to play through the whistle at no point. Can you assume that Bryce Perkins is down, right? <laughs> he's, he's so good and he's so slippery and he's one of the best athletes on the field. Uh, Virginia tech is definitely going to have their hands full, but given what we've seen, 
over the last several weeks from this Virginia Tech defense, I have way more confidence in them now than I did six, four, even four weeks ago. Uh, that this defense has really turned a corner. They are playing with a ton of confidence. They're playing fast and loose, and that's exactly how you need to play in this game. What do you think is Virginia Tech's biggest advantage over UVA and vice versa? Well, Virginia's offensive line's been bad all season. They've struggled to run the football. They've struggled to protect Bryce Perkins. Virginia Tech, on the other hand, has really started to show that they can get pressure on the quarterback and that they're able to slow down opposing teams' rushing attacks. Uh, Virginia Tech has been very good at that, and I think that that's really where they're going to have to own this game. They're going to have to make Bryce Perkins uh, beat them basically by himself, right? That He's not going to have really any, any semblance of a running game to go with it. Uh, Bryce Perkins is going to have to play hero out there, and I just think that there's too much talent on Virginia Tech's side of the ball, and there's too much of a discrepancy between the two teams for Bryce Perkins to make that up on his own. Uh, but Virginia Tech is going to have to get pressure in the backfield. They're going to have to be exotic with their with their calls. They're going to have to to really, really get pressure on Bryce Perkins. And But you have to be controlled, right, when you do that. You don't want to start flushing him out without a guy there because that's when he starts to make plays. Uh, but I think Virginia's offensive line is the weakest part of this team. And if Virginia Tech can exploit that, like like multiple teams have done this season, I think they've got a great chance of winning this game. You've been watching Virginia Tech football for a long time. If Virginia Tech can manage to beat Virginia and wins the Coastal Championship, where would you rank this team or this season on your all-time most memorable Hokie seasons? Wow, uh, that's that's a hard question. Um, it would certainly be up there, probably in the top ten. Um, just and and it wouldn't even be because this team is is world, you know, worldly good. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech's a good team, but this team isn't super super good. But it's the adversity that they've overcome. Uh, so far this year, it's the it's the the sudden change. It's the it's the spontaneity in which we've seen Virginia Tech really start to get their stuff together, and it's just been so surprising. And it, w w this year has really been a revelation. Uh, it, it's been kind of an eye opening to what all goes into turning a program around, how hard it is to create that culture that you have to create when you assume a head coaching position. We all know that Frank Beamer didn't leave the cupboard necessarily bare, but Frank did leave a huge void in talent in the lower classes when he left. Well, those classes are supposed to be seniors this year, and Justin Fuente is having to build a winning football team with very little senior leadership. The only real leader on the field amongst the seniors is Reggie Floyd and his level of play has been kind of up and down, even though it's been up over the last couple weeks. Uh, it, it's been, it's been a great coaching job by Justin. It's been a great job by the players to completely change their mentality and not only block out the noise from last season where you had players who were openly campaigning for the team to lose. So they didn't make a bowl game 
Um, but it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And I know the team isn't as good as we've seen in the past, especially in the, the late nineties and the, the early two thousands and the mid two thousands, but this team is really, really special. And I think those who have a, a real historical context of Virginia tech football will definitely remember this team fondly. At this point, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that regardless of what happens on Friday, the season is a success. You really don't want them to lose because, A, you want that coastal division. B, you want to keep the UVA streak going. And C, you don't want to see those two things happen at the same time. Because for better or worse, if this season ends with a UVA loss, a UVA loss that breaks the streak and puts them in the coastal championship game, It'll be hard for the average fan not to walk away with a sour taste in his mouth, regardless of the incredible improvement that we've seen all throughout this season. But given what we know, regardless of what happens on Friday, do you say that the vast majority of this coaching staff, I'm saying Cornelison, you know, and, and the lower level guys, do you think everyone's pretty much safe going into next year? Uh, I don't think anyone on the defensive staff is safe just because you have a new coordinator coming in. We don't know who that's going to be yet. Uh, when you have a new coordinator, he generally wants to bring in his own guys. Um, so I, I can't, I can't really say that there's going to be anyone on the defensive side of the ball that's going to be safe. Although I do think that there are some guys who really should be considering the coaching job that they've done, not just this season, but in prior seasons. Uh, I think Brad Cornelson has saved his job at this point. Um, it's possible that Justin decides that he wants to move on, uh, given the fact that they were so bad earlier in the season. But I think from given the the chemistry that seems to be uh, created between Brad Cornelson and Hendon Hooker in terms of their ability to create and mold an offense that really suits Hendon's strengths, uh, I, I think Cornelson deserves a ton of credit for that. And it, it would be hard to to dismiss him given the fact that they've been so consistent and so good over the last several weeks uh, it, it would just be I, I think a rash change because he's really found found a way to turn it around so I think for the most part everyone is safe on the offensive side I will say this I do think there could be a change at running back we, we've seen in press conferences that like Deshaun McLeese has talked about how he talks to Jerry Kill a lot about what he's seeing on the field. Um, but, he, you know, he doesn't mention talking to Zon Burden, who's his position coach. I think that that's interesting. Uh, the running game has definitely gotten better since Jerry Kill assumed a, a non-coaching position with, with, the, with the program. I do think that Virginia Tech could be moving on or possibly reassigning Zon Burden. Uh, I don't know how that would work because I know that they like Zon. They like having him around. He's a good recruiter. But it seems like the, the position has gotten better since Jerry Kill has gotten there, and it doesn't feel like Zahn has been the reason it's been getting better. You know, to the contrary on that, or not to the contrary, but on the other side of the ball, obviously Bud Foster has this young defense just playing out of their mind right now to the point where it almost hurts to know that he won't be there next year with a group that will essentially consist of all of the same guys, save Reggie Floyd, unless I guess someone else were to go pro. And I don't know. I mean, Caleb Farley is good. I don't know if he is a true candidate to leave early at this point. Does that scare you at all? The idea of a new coordinator coming in next year? 
Well, of course, it should scare everybody. Bud Foster's the, the he's the best defensive mind probably that we've seen over the last thirty plus years. He's he's an exceptional coordinator, and no, his teams haven't always been good, but Bud has almost always ended up getting the best out of his guys. And whoever Virginia Tech hires to to fill that role is almost certainly not going to be as good of a, a coach in terms of in-game adjustments. And they're almost certainly not going to be as good as developing guys and, and really working with them in practice. The only thing that you may be able to get better would be a recruiter because we've all seen that there have been legitimate questions about Bud's ability to recruit guys. But in the end, when you carry that sort of reputation and that prestige, that itself helps you recruit. And the next defensive coordinator is not going to have any of that prestige. They're not going to have any of that experience. Uh, it should definitely scare tech fans uh, on who the, the next coordinator is going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. I know there have been some rumors that Virginia Tech has already decided who the, the, the next coordinator is going to be. Obviously, that's not going to be announced until after the regular season and what would be a possible ACC championship game. But yes, no matter who they hire as defensive coordinator, it is going to be a, 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 a difficult transition, and there's no guarantee that it's going to go well. Do you agree that we were worried about the prestige of the Virginia Tech defensive coordinator job going into the offseason, you know, when Tech was getting trounced by Duke, right? Because the thought process there might be, Fuente's on the hot seat, who wants to come in and leave their current job to be the defensive coordinator for someone who might be out after one year anyway. But with the way this team has played, knowing that the cupboard's going to come back completely full from this season, Bud Foster is leaving a very talented group of guys. Do you think that will help Virginia Tech's chances of being able to bring in a very high-profile defensive coordinator candidate? That's a great point. Uh, they've definitely really elevated the position back to almost what it was coming into the season when we first found out that Bub was leaving. And like you've mentioned, there's going to be a lot for the next defensive coordinator to work with. There's going to be a lot of young talent starting, and there's also going to be a lot of young talent on the bench. And, and, and that gives the next defensive coordinator something to, to look forward to. Now, that being said, there's never anyone who wants to replace the guy. We talked about this when Justin Fuente replaced Frank Beamer. Uh, you, you never want to be the guy that replaces, quote-unquote, the guy. Well, whoever does replace Bud Foster is going to be doing that, and it's going to be a difficult transition. But like you mentioned, there's, there's reason to believe that this defense can be a successful defense even when Bud Foster leaves because we've started to see this growth and this development of the talent on the roster that we simply didn't see for the first four to five weeks of the season. So there's a lot to look forward to with this defense, but it's going to be very, very critical for them to hire a defensive coordinator who can use the talent on the roster and use probably the same scheme and not try to start fitting uh, square pegs into round holes. And I'm looking at the importance of this game in a long-term perspective. I think there's the potential to be a game of far-reaching importance for the Virginia Tech football program, and here's why. This was supposed to be UVA's year. Tech was dead in the water in late September. If the Hokies can manage to win the Coastal here on Friday, that's two Coastal divisions in four years.
under Justin Fuente. Three nine-win regular seasons in four years under Justin Fuente, and they will go into next year as the overwhelming favorite in the Coastal, given that you have 21 of 22 starters back, and that applies whether or not they win on Friday. But could a win here rewrite the narrative of Coastal Chaos and bring it back to the old norm, which was Virginia Tech is the powerhouse program in the ACC Coastal, their division to win? It does. The Coastal is extremely weak right now. Miami is a, a disaster of epic proportions. No kidding. We're, it's it's so bad over there in Coral Gables, man. Losing to FIU against Butch Davis, who used to be your coach. Oh, man, it's, it's a disaster. But uh, Miami's not good, even though they have a ton of talent. Who knows when they're going to start to play up to that level. Virginia has not recruited at a good enough level to sustain the success that we've seen this season. North Carolina, they've got some talent to work with, but Mac Brown's got to show that he can get these guys to win football games first. There isn't anyone else in the in the Coastal that has proven that they're going to be a, a serious contender to win 9 to 10 games a season. But when you look at the roster that Virginia Tech has, and you look at the continuity that they'll have going into next season with Justin Fuente being there for his fifth year, I believe. Um, there is the potential for Virginia Tech to grow into the definitive leader in the ACC Coastal. Now, I don't want to go that far. I don't think that it's it's set in stone just yet. We need to see how this team plays this week. We need to see if they can go if they win against Virginia, if they can go to Charlotte and not get embarrassed by Clemson, and they need to show up in their bowl game, which uh, at this point is probably going to be against a decent opponent. Um, and we know that Virginia Tech has struggled in recruiting this season as well, and that's something to keep an eye on. But ultimately, the youth and the talent on the roster, the continuity, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, Virginia Tech has a chance to be the premier program in the ACC Coastal um, but we need we need to see it first, and it starts this this Friday against Virginia, who uh, right now actually might be the closest challenger to Virginia Tech for that that title as the definitive program in the Coastal. Well, let's get right to it, man, and, and we can talk a little bit of basketball after we say this. But Ricky LeBlue, what is your score prediction for this huge Commonwealth Cup clash on Friday between Virginia and Virginia Tech? Man, I'm I'm really bad at these score predictions. In case anyone wasn't wasn't already aware of that, um, Virginia Tech is going to score probably 27 points, and I think Virginia is going to score 17. I think Virginia Tech is going to win this game, 27 to 17. Virginia's offense just doesn't have enough firepower around Bryce Perkins for them to put up a big number in this game, especially considering Virginia Tech's defense has started to turn it on. And I think Virginia Tech's offense can can put out kind of an average level production against a, a, a solid defense. Virginia is one of the better run defenses in the country, as is Virginia Tech. But I think ultimately Virginia Tech's going to hit on a couple plays downfield. Um, they're going to be able to contain Bryce Perkins, relatively speaking. He's not going to take over this game per se, 
Uh, Virginia really hasn't been the same since the first four to five weeks of the season. Remember, there was a point where they lost three of four games. They lost at Notre Dame, at Miami, and then they beat Duke, and then they lose at Louisville. Virginia is not as good as we thought they were earlier in the season. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Virginia Tech to win this game 27-17. I'm going to agree, Ricky. I mean, I I think it'll be a little more low scoring. I'm going to say 24-17 or maybe even 24-14. Yeah, I'll go 24-14, but I – this defense has been firing at all cylinders. As we talked about, Ricky, this defensive line is playing out of their mind. Compare that to the real lackluster offensive line group that UVA has. It is going to be a long day for Bryce Perkins. It's going to take a lot of hits. And frankly, for UVA, it's going to take a Bryce Perkins day. He is going to have to do it relative. I mean, obviously, someone else would have to step up, but he's going to have to play out of his mind. And it's not like he hasn't done it this year. It's not like he hasn't done it this year. Watch that UNC tape. And yeah, it'll give you a sick pit feeling in your stomach knowing that UVA has a great athlete, a quarterback that gives them the best chance to win for the first time in 15 years. That sick pit feeling in the stomach is real. But how do you think they're feeling in Charlottesville? The team you haven't beaten in 15 years hasn't let up a point in nine quarters. Tech is firing at all cylinders, and Tech is ready to play spoiler on the season you thought was yours. And quite frankly, I cannot imagine that the final chapter of this Bud Foster story is letting Bryce Perkins expose him and this Hokies defense and giving up that streak and giving up the Coastal. Not what I think. I'll take the Hokies. The... The, the the general rule of thumb when you're picking Virginia versus Virginia Tech is you pick Virginia Tech until they lose. Uh, that's something I've learned firsthand. Um, you, you have to arrive with the Hokies just because Virginia comes into this game almost psyching themselves out, it seems like. They, they come into the game so amped up and so ready to win. And then each game, it feels like over the last couple seasons, when they've had their best chance in, in a few years, they always make these boneheaded plays. I go back to the 2017 game in Charlottesville. Virginia Tech wins 10-0. UVA made several boneheaded plays, specifically that resulted in penalties that really, really hurt them. And it, it just seems like Virginia hypes themselves up way too much coming into this game every single season, and they can never get the job done. I agree. I agree. And... I mean, last year, UVA had the better team. That was their year to win it. And they did not manage. From where I'm standing right now, Virginia Tech will be the 2019 Coastal Division champions. The streak continues to 16. We're not going to do the rest of the ACC picks because that's really a Mike thing because Mike pays attention to the entire conference. And in reality, only one game in the conference matters this week. Mike is also a gambling degenerate. This is true. Like He's really into that stuff. And when there's an FCS game... He's the guy we go to for the spread. So you're right. That that is kind of his his section. I agree, Ricky. I agree. But we'll t- talk about this briefly before we finish up here. How about Mike Young, man? Hokies take down number three Michigan State in Maui. All right, <laughs> Are you I'm happy be, with the I'm hire? Gonna per- I'm going to be perfectly honest. At no point did I plan on discussing Virginia Tech basketball until we got closer to the conference schedule just because it was way too early and I didn't really care what they did against Coppin State and all of these you know, teams that are absolutely terrible. But man, Mike Young, he gets, he gets a huge round of applause for what he's done. 
not not just this in the in the actual season, but the off season, getting the roster up to a competitive level, and then going out there and beating probably the best team in the country. They're according to Vegas, they're the odds-on favorite to win the national championship this season. So Virginia Tech is certainly headed in the right direction. Everyone needs to calm themselves down and remember, like Frank Beamer always said, it's never as good as you think it is, and it's never as bad as you think it is. Virginia Tech is going to have some ups and downs this season. They're a really young team. They're still figuring things out. But this is a very, very encouraging sign that Mike Young has got his stuff together and he's got this program headed in the right direction. Yeah, man, that kid Landers Dolly, boy, can he play. And just, I envisioned a couple of different possibilities for the Virginia Tech basketball season, right? I thought either it's going to be really bad or Nolly's good and BD can step up a little bit and Horn can step up a little bit and they'll still be below average, but... At least they'll be able to win right, well, some games here and there. I think we're bottoming out. We've at least clinched that level. This team maybe has an outside chance of making the NCAA tournament just from what we're seeing right now. I mean, would you rule that out at this well, point? No, I mean, you can't rule it out. But like like we've said, the season's way too early. But let, let me say this. If P.J. Horn is going to hit three-pointers consistently this season, that changes everything. If he's able to space the floor like that and, and create even more space along the perimeter and have another perimeter threat, that really, really changes everything. Because coming into the season, we kind of just expected P.J. Horn to be a guy who could rebound and play a little bit of defense. Um, but because he's so he's so short for, for the forward center position and he really seemed limited offensively, we didn't expect that he would make that big of an impact. But if he's able to do that, man, that does change everything. All right, last question. We'll go back to football and we'll wrap this up. Very scatterbrained today, I'm sorry. Virginia Tech wins this game if. Fill in the blank. Virginia Tech wins this game if they take care of the football and they play as good a defense as they've done over the last couple seasons or last couple weeks. If they're able to – they don't need to shut Virginia out. I'm not saying that they need to go out there and shut them out to get the job done. But if they go out there, they hold Virginia to a reasonable amount, 17, 20 points, and they go out there and they do not turn the football over, Virginia Tech wins this game. I think as long as they win the turnover battle, it's a W. Just – what Virginia Tech did so well against Pitt is, A, I mean, so many possessions that Pitt had. I think it was like four of their 13 possessions actually went for negative yards. And even when Pitt got a drive going, I mean, they, they, Virginia Tech just ultimately would flip the field position and either force a turnover or, you know, turnover on downs. It was pretty ridiculous. Bryce Perkins is a guy that will turn the football over. I mean, he has eight interceptions on the year already, 15 touchdowns, even more than that if you count the ones he's gotten on the ground. He is dynamic, but I don't think he can do it alone. If you can force him to turn the ball over once or even twice and take care of the ball on your own side, that is a W, even if the most athletic offensive player on the field might be playing for the other team. That will do it for us on the Hokie Hangover Podcast. We will be back, win or lose, to review the Virginia Tech-Virginia game. And boy, I really hope... We are previewing the ACC championship game against Clemson next week. I really hope I am booking tickets to a Charlotte hotel. But until then, thank you for listening to us. I am Andrew Alex. He is Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, where can the listeners get more great content from you? 
as always, you can go to rickytheblue.com, the LeBlue Review. I'm writing once or twice a week. We're talking about uh, this kind of revival, which is the only word I can come to up to describe it for Virginia Tech on what they've done with the season. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of Virginia football. And also, before the game, I we will have a Bud Foster article talking about wanted to save it until the last game of the regular season for Bud. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a hard one to write because he's he's done so much and uh, it's kind of hard to put it into words. And you can always get me on ESPN Blacksburg or on Twitter at Andrew Alex Radio. That's Andrew A L I X Radio. Beat UVA, folks. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>